Hey! Welcome everyone to Super Gamecast 2. My name is Aaron Reynolds and I'm your host for this show about gaming, gaming news, um, whatever else we feel like talking about. Uh, well, so people may have noticed, um, Bronson is actually still in the hospital right now. Uh, he's doing good. Uh, he's getting better, slowly. Uh, we're, he's trying to get to a certain point where he's able to uh, be able to freely leave the hospital. And let me tell you, nothing... He, he would want to be here. He would want to be here to do this, especially because uh, some news that happened this week uh, that I'm not going to be able to get into myself is uh, there's a bit of talk about what 9.2 in World of Warcraft uh, will bring. Uh, I'm sure that would have been a, a major talking point had this been uh, a half Bronson podcast, but I'm afraid I cannot uh, divulge any information uh, from that to you because it's just a bunch of nonsense words when I read it. But uh, when Bronson comes back, uh, we're going to try and get some games going, I imagine, and then uh, we'll have a big Super Gamecast 2 hopefully next week uh, where we can cover all of that. Uh, but anyway... You're here with me. Hello, Iron Rose. How you doing? It's been a nice, calm, uh, early Sunday morning. Mm -mm -mm. I got my coffee. I've just been looking up uh, games news uh, for the last hour and a half. Because I knew there was some. Uh, and I, I really went for like a grab bag of things. There's actually a lot of news stories. Um so we we are we're gonna try and go rapid fire through them, uh, just to get you guys all caught up on some of the stuff going on. Uh, but yeah, uh, do y'all cover Fortnite at all? No. Uh, the only the only news I can recall off the top of my head about Fortnite right now is that they pulled the Travis Scott emoji after the Astro World uh, disaster, um, which I'm not gonna talk about too much, just because I don't know very much about what was going on there like obviously there was the trampling situation there needed to be better security and uh better organization of the event itself uh but there were some like pictures going around of travis scott like flipping off an ambulance <laughs> that was coming to help people and i don't know if that was like people like selectively choosing what pictures to show um or what like i don't want to say Travis Scott's an a-hole or anything uh, without having seen it all. But anyway, so that's going on. So yeah, Fortnite was like, nah, <laughs> we're good. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if there's any news. If you, if you know of some big news regarding Fortnite that's happened in the last week, I'd be happy to hear it. Um, I know Fortnite's one of those, comp those uh, games that is looking to become uh, one of those metaverses people talk about. Um, but I think that's still pretty early on. Um, I'm going to look at this, this, uh, Twitter trend that says Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Is there a new one? It seems like a, a good thing to cover on this show. If it, if it is true, um, do, 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 no way home. Anything? No, or are we just... Oh, there's some there's some leaks. Okay, well, I'm not gonna look at that. Um, don't don't yeah, don't look at the Spider Way No Way Spider Man No Way Home trending hashtag. There's there's some leaks that I just looked at myself. Don't do that. Um, 
There's that, and there's also Naruto coming out on the 16th and Boba. Okay, no, I, I, I did glance upon these. Uh, yes, Naruto and Boba Fett are going to be uh, coming into Fortnite. Naruto and Fortnite apparently have a comic. I did see that. Naruto's coming on the 16th, Boba Fett on the 24th, so if you're looking for to play as Naruto. If you can't Naruto run, like I know everyone has guns and all, but I feel like you should still be able to Naruto run. If you're not, if you can't do that, I don't know why we're even doing this. Anyway. Um, let's see. I just want to go over, over my week real quick before we jump into news here, because I don't know about you guys. I played a little bit of video games here and there. Been messing around with Final Fantasy XIV. Been jumping around with a few different jobs. I can't decide on one that I enjoy playing. Uh, early levels. Early level, uh, like, between 1 and 50. Trying out a new class. Uh, especially, like, 10 through 50. Like, 1, you know, obviously, it goes real quick. But 10 through 50... Oh, it can be a slog. You know, a lot of the good abilities don't come until, uh, you know, 50, 60, 70. And it's like, you know, we gotta, we gotta do that grind to get your characters leveled up or whatever. But, oh, it is taking a while. Uh, Iron Rose in chat. They have, apparent, they have a Naruto run emote, but apparently four characters from the series, Kakashi, Naruto, Sasuke, and Sakura is her name. Is the name you're thinking of. No Hinata. Okay. Alright. Uh, to be fair, there are, there are a lot of... There are a lot of characters in Naruto. They could have taken... I'm just glad they got Kakashi in. They didn't have to put Kakashi in. I love Kakashi. From what little Naruto... When Naruto first became like a big... Thing. And Hot Topic was selling the Naruto headbands. Like I was a huge Kakashi fan but I was also not <laughs> watching a lot of it. It was like learning the, the hand movements and playing around with people. It was a good time. Um, yeah, so we played some Final Fantasy XIV. Got enough those Moogle tomes or whatever to get the jacket, so I don't have to work on that anymore. That's nice. Trying to think about whether I what uh, jobs to level before Endwalker comes out. That's been delayed, so I'm, you know... Figuring that out. The the person who wrote the story for both Shadowbringers and Endwalker said to do Coils of Bahamut and the Omega raids for story purposes. So I got through Coils of Bahamut, which, yes, I agree. That seems like it's going to be important in Endwalker. And then uh, the Omega Trials, I'm very interested in what direction they go um, with it because from what I've seen... Uh, what I've heard as someone who doesn't play a lot of Final Fantasy uh, the first portion of the Omega Raids has bosses from Final Fantasy 5 uh, apparently uh, the second one which I'm doing now is taking bosses from 6 and then I have been told from the person that's leading me through these that the third portion of the Omega Trials is a secret or Omega Raids is a secret so I don't know I'm gonna let him that's fine I'm I'm excited to see what that is. Uh, I also played a little bit of Unpacking, which is a, a new game uh, that I did not realize was on Xbox Game Pass, but I just downloaded it. And if you haven't heard of Unpacking, it is literally uh, a game where you enter into a room 
and you have a number of boxes. You open them up, and you're trying to put these items in correct places. It seems like there's multiple places uh, that could be deemed correct for certain items, but there is a limit. You can't. You're you're not done if you leave a book lying on your bed. You have to put that somewhere. You have to put it in a closet or a bookshelf or in a drawer. Um, sometimes the drawer doesn't work. Something you know, it depends. Um, and you go through from what little I've played. You go through uh, a girl's life. You know, she was in her childhood room, and then she goes off to a college dorm, and then she's with roommates, and then uh, where I'm at, uh, she just entered into a relationship. Uh, so now, and what's cool is like, you know, when you're with roommates, uh, um, you can't really move anyone else's stuff to make room for yours. But once you get to relationship status, you can, uh, move their stuff, which is a fun, you know, neat little detail for what they're trying to do. I know heartbreak's coming. I know it. It's, it's one of those games where they're trying to tell a story and they're going to get you, uh, uh, they're going to get you worked up and then, yep. So that'll be fun. Great. Um, but yeah, it, that's a lot of fun. I remember one tweet went around uh, that was showing how when you set down certain items, it made a certain sound. It was acknowledging the material of the item that you have and the material of what you were setting the item on. Uh, and it just created these unique little sound effects. I don't know. It's a fun little puzzle game. Sort of a puzzle game, right? Yeah, I'd say that. Sneak. If you have if you have Game Pass, then just check it out for a little bit, a couple hours. It's fine. It's nice to have something on like a screen on the side. You're watching that while you're just unpacking these items. Um, let's see. Did I play anything else? I downloaded. I have not started, but I downloaded uh, The World Ends with You because there is a free trial on Nintendo Switch as of this recording, which I think is only active for a couple days it is a trial where you can download the full game and theoretically play through the f- full game before the trial's over uh and i got convinced by a true believer of that game on twitter uh there is a there's a loyal fan base for the world ends with you um so uh downloaded that haven't haven't really touched it myself uh but yeah Anything else? I watched wrestling. I, I don't know how many people who listen to this podcast uh, follow wrestling, but AEW has been doing some stuff. Uh, have you played any of the new Call of Duty? No, I have not. However, I have seen is Call of Duty Vanguard, right? I did see uh, the multiplayer stuff going on in there, which I found interesting and hilarious. So there's two things I saw. One was uh, you can change... I think it was either the size of the map or the amount of players on the map. So if you want every game to be shipment, uh, you can do that. <laughs> you can just have a bunch of people on a map and then run out and then get killed in five seconds, uh, which to, was the height of fun for me with Call of Duty is just maximum chaos. Uh, everyone is dying the moment you get out. Uh, so uh, that's a cool feature. It means like... Uh, Theoretically, I, I guess, you know, I'd have to have the game in my hands, but uh, it seems like you can have that. You can, like, set the pacing of your multiplayer matches, uh, and you can just choose, you know, that to be what it is for whenever you play Call of Duty, 
which is great. And it's also a good way of farming XP, from what I understand. So uh, that's actually cool. That sounds like a cool feature. The other thing is uh, you can create custom games. And uh, what's funny, first of all, a lot of them are, are talking about bugs, like in their description of the like custom games rooms, like, oh man, they need to fix this bug. And then you go in and I guess you mess with it. Uh, the other thing is someone created, the video I watched, someone created a custom room that says, for farming XP, and you jump in, and it's the creator and his friends that are up on top of a hill, and everyone that spawns in for this free XP is actually the fodder, and they don't realize until much later. All the fodder has like one HP, and the guys just stand up there and shoot at you, and people are in the chat, and they're they're doing like slash swap, because they think that they can switch over to the other side, and it's like, nope. Custom game, you are you are to be farmed for the people who made this, which I thought was very funny. Uh, yeah, Call of Duty, I don't know. I haven't heard too much uh, from people about how Call of Duty was doing. Um, yeah, haven't paid attention. Ah, oh. uh, all right. Yeah, so I, I got I watched some wrestling last night. AEW had a had a pay per view event. Um, CM Punk was there. Brian Danielson was there. Sting was there. Uh, there was a whole. It was fun. It was a good time. Um, let's see. I did not know about the XP farming. Yeah, yeah. It, it just sounds like chaos, which, you know what? That game could use, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I want to hear, I, I hope, hope to hear more information about Call of Duty. I also hear Battlefield 2042 is doing really well, but that's not out yet, I don't think. Um, yeah. There are a lot of multiplayer games out right now, and so it's like trying to pick one. Uh, not easy for me. Um, but yeah, ordered pizza yesterday. It was good. That was real good. Uh, but yeah, it's been a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen nonsense over on my end, as per usual. Um, I think I mentioned last week that I finished Travis Strikes Again, so when Bronson gets out, I think we're going to try and start uh, we're going to try and start No More Heroes 3 around the same time so we can talk about it, but we'll wait on that. Uh, without further ado, though, let's get into the news. And let me tell you, I, um, there's, there's, there's a lot that I opened up. So we're just going to, we're going to take the time where the, with the ones that we want to take time with. And we are just going to blow through the ones that we don't feel like spending that much time with. So let's let's push this over on the video end of things. Over here, here we go. All right. Ugh. So uh, we had a couple, you know, the quarter ended for businesses. So they were given some, some PowerPoints, some presentations. Uh, and right now we're looking at Nintendos, uh, which... I find this interesting. Uh, new data on annual playing users uh, during between April 2020 and March 2021, they had 87 million annual playing users, and uh, from April 2021 to September 2021, they went down to 79 million. It was a pretty steady. Uh, increase up until the pandemic and then it just kind of dropped off uh which i don't know i guess that's not 
that's not that surprising. Uh, here, here's the other thing. Here's the thing that made me click on this link is the age distribution. Uh, the highest by far is uh, in like the 21 range. Uh, but there's a bump, you know, uh, at around like 10 to 12 year olds, and it dips down around 15, then dip goes really high up on 20, and then is pretty damn high up for 20, 25, 30, 30, 31. There's a, there's a little bit of a blip there, um, and it just keeps going down and down, and uh, we don't reach 10 year old, 12 year old levels until about 42, 43. Uh, lots of people, lots of people, turns out, play the Switch. Um, let's see, they got 6,700 titles on the Switch, apparently. Um, let's see, looking at sales. Nintendo Switch Online, over 32 million members. Uh-huh. Cash utilization, all this boring stuff, okay. But, uh... And Nintendo's doing well. There's a little bit of a dip there in uh, in annual playing users, but uh, yeah, cool. All right. Well, next story. Switch is doing well. Uh, here's the, here's the story I wanted to lead into. Here is Switch still in the middle of its life, so says Nintendo. And then due to the way they said this, uh, they also confirmed the next console is due before 2100, which, uh, thanks, Nintendo. I appreciate that. Uh, because they said... They listed uh, the next one with a release date of 20XX, which, like, 20X... Are you really suggesting that the poten- the next console console could potentially be releasing in 2030 something like really i find that hard to believe um you love the switch oled yeah that looks cool for people who play any amount of nintendo switch in the portable mode i think switch oled would be a great move Mm. my my switch has been doing fine for what it is, I don't feel there hasn't been a game where I felt the need to upgrade my Switch. Um, you know, I, I don't have a PS5, I don't have a VR headset, and like for my gaming priority, I don't have a, a new graphics card. Which again, I'm maybe waiting for four thousand for that, and those to me are greater priorities uh, than Switch uh, upgrade, unfortunately. But for those who are in a position to check out that Switch OLED, the Switch OLED looks really good. Um, Let's see. I know it plans to Nintendo's plan to expand the reach of its IP is also shown in elsewhere in the presentation. The company noted its growing film and theme park ambitions. Yeah, that's right. They got some. They got that Mario movie coming, and then they got the Nintendo theme park in Japan. Uh, they have nothing to say on Switch's successor because it, Nintendo considers Switch to be the middle phase of its cycle with future momentum still thanks to the recent Switch OLED launch and a wide variety of software, quote-unquote. On NextGen, we're not saying much right now. Uh, We are still going through internal discussion on concept, timing, and discussing everything. So so they're talking about it. They're talking about what they're going to figure out, what they're going to do next, but it doesn't sound like they have, if this is like 100% truthful, which, eh, um, Sounds like they haven't decided on what they're going to do 
yet. Um, but yeah, this year has seen multiple reports on future Nintendo Switch hardware revisions, including high-profile suggestion that Nintendo is prepping 4K games for an upcoming Switch model, which Nintendo itself took the rare step of denying. I, weird. Weird. I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah, that Nintendo Land over Universal Studios Nintendo Land. Uh, I want to check it out one day. That'd be fun. Uh, let's see. All right, next next article. This is from Nintendo Life, by the way. Uh, Nintendo to invest huge sums in game development and online infrastructure. That uh, online infrastructure would be that'd be fantastic. Um, Non-game entertainment opportunities similar to the Mario movie are getting up to fifty billion yen. Which, if you're not, if you want to convert that, it's four hundred forty million U.S. dollars. Uh, expanding game software frameworks is up to 100 billion yen, which is 880 million US dollars. I want to read this. Nintendo has stated this is primarily money to organically expand its game development assets and creative culture. It doesn't rule out merges and acquisitions, but clearly the hope is to grow internally as a priority above simply buying other studios and companies. Yeah, sure. Uh, he, wait. Wow. Here we go. Nintendo accounts and infrastructure expand relationship with consumers <laughs> up to 300 billion yen, approximately 2.64 billion US dollars. This is a huge sum of money with an interesting goal, especially in light of criticisms around Nintendo's online and account offerings. Yes. Uh, the focus is maintaining and expanding the relationship with consumers with Nintendo accounts to offer better experiences and better services beyond just being focused on the move to digital It'll apparently aim to build a uniquely Nintendo service infrastructure while my Nintendo and its products will also be reviewed as part of the investment. Yeah, it would be nice to see them figure that shit out because they can, they have always been behind on this shit. It's, mm, it's frustrating. Uh, so that's a lot of money. If money equals, you know, true intent, that would be that would be good. I'd like to see it. But we'll see. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Nintendo Animal or Nintendo America's Twitter account. Uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Horizons players who own the Animal Crossing New Horizons Happy Home Paradise DLC may experience gameplay bugs if they visit resident services and ask to remodel a resident's home while the gates at their airport are open. Yeah, don't do that. We recommend players to not attempt to remodel an island resident's home while the gates at the airport are open. As long as the airport gates are closed, you should not encounter these gameplay bugs. What are the bugs? That's what I want to find out. If you encounter these gameplay bugs, please end your game, your play session, close the game, and relaunch it. Your save file will not be affected. A patch to fix this issue will be released this month. Wow. Uh, oh, the patch is available now. This is what I get for clicking on all the news articles that happened within the last week. Uh, so, that got fixed this week. Um, Goddamn. Yeah. Oh, what's this one? Uh, Switch OLED pushes Nintendo back to the top of console sales. Um, so, yeah, despite that little drop that we saw in terms of played... Um, Let's see. Nintendo continues to insist that the Switch will redefine the console life cycle. Announced says it is at its midpoint. Okay, I did not see redefine the console life cycle. Um, oh man, maybe they are pushing for 2030 something. Fuck. Uh, 
Let's see. Yeah, it's, it's in its fifth year, which, to be fair to the modern console life cycle, that, that is pretty, that is midlife. It's just that the Switch is the Switch uh, in terms of power. It's like, so, uh, Doug Bowser, president of Nintendo of America, told Washington Post that the company sold 711,000 Switch consoles in the U.S. during October, with 314,000 of those being the OLED model. Um, in September, Sony and its PlayStation 5 ended Nintendo's 33-month streak after having the highest-selling console in the U.S. Whew. Um, it was the first time since November 2018 that any platform besides the Switch led the U.S. market in unit sales. Yeah, the Switch. <laughs> it's, it's kind of popular. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, coffee. Uh, I think we'll get to this in another article here uh, later, but uh, Metroid Dread sold 854,000 copies in October. Uh, best launch in Metroid series history. Uh, that is pretty cool. Um, here is a Nintendo ad with Neil Patrick Harris in it, which, sure, why not? A uh, new advertisement starring Christina Aguilera, uh, which is a way of saying we are marketing this to the parents of children. <laughs> Come on, kids. Check out Christina Aguilera. She's the best. Don't you love love the Christina Aguilera? What's a Billie Eilish? Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. I think we get to some of this in other articles. Nintendo says, this is from uh, Video Games Chronicle. Nintendo says it's taking criticism of Switch's N64 emulation very seriously looking at ways to improve the Switch online games. Yeah, there's been some stuff people have been talking about. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about this. Uh, we're constantly looking for ways to make our online features and those games better and continuing to add value through more services and more games as we go forward. We take the feedback very seriously and we're continuing to look at ways to improve the overall performance. For us, it's about quality and great content at a great value. Blah, 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 blah. Um... Oh my god, in just two weeks, the trailer for Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack became Nintendo's most disliked video ever, uh, which, I don't know if you guys noticed, we, we, can't, we can't count the amount of dislikes on a video anymore. This is one of your last most disliked uh, videos, news articles that you'll ever get. No one, no one can know anymore. Um, let's see. Met with frustration from some players, not only due to its pricing. Yeah, the pricing was a sore spot. But also emulation issues and a lack of features, including button mapping. Which, like, yeah. What? Um, yeah. It's... That, that N64 stuff. It'd be nice. You know, it's nice to be able to play Mario Party with your friends. Uh, on the Switch and all that. But it sounds like... Especially for the price, it's not certainly needs some improvement um bring back the virtual consoles you jerks all right next article we're just gonna blow through them because i don't know people on the video end can see up top we got some tabs to get through here uh this is from Eurogamer. 
Far Cry boss quits Ubisoft after 10 years reportedly leaves live service Far Cry project. Oh, the live service games. It's just, it's never gonna end. Um, hey, Dan Hay served as a producer on Far Cry 3 before moving to an executive producer role for Far Cry 4 and 5 and the series Blood Dragon, Primal, and New Dawn spinoffs. So yeah, this guy's been around. This guy's been hanging out uh, with Far Cry for a while. And... Uh, yeah, but been helping to build the next generation of the Far Cry series, which will launch as a live service. Oh man, okay, that's the next Far Cry, huh? Um, and that's the same for Assassin's Creed, codenamed Infinity. It's expected to be a single destination for multiple Assassin's Creed experiences, ultimately featuring an array of different heroes and time periods. And if we remember our story from last week, I'm sure NFTs and blockchain will have something to do with that, I suppose. Um, after more than 10 years at Ubisoft, blah, 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 I'll be leaving uh, on the 12th of November. Yeah. Guy worked on Far Cry for a good long while. And so, uh, yeah, wish him the best. Uh... Here's another one. Ubisoft announces pay raises to stop developers from leaving. <laughs> I'm going to assume it has nothing to do with the previous story. Uh, if, I, if I had to work 10 years on Far Cry, uh, I'd want to try something new after a while. Uh, Iron Rose in chat. I'm just waiting for them to announce the $50 Far Cry 6.5 coming in the beginning of next year. What? Oh, God. Okay. You know, I, I've heard very little about Far Cry 6. They had that trailer. Everyone was like, all right, another one of these. Um, like, a Far Cry fans are excited about that. That's great. Good for them. Uh, I'm happy for them. But uh, I have totally, honestly checked out of Far Cry. Not that I was all that into it, but like... Is Far Cry 6 boring? Yeah. I mean, you know, they really touched on something with, uh, they, they were, you know, they had their thing going with 2 and 3 and then 4, I think it was 4, or was it 3, that had the definition of insanity guy, and they've just been doing that over and over and over again. Um, it's just like, all right, great. Uh, let's see, so Ubisoft's Canadian Studios announced pay raises for staff at the Assassin's Creed and Far Cry publisher to combat an exodus, which, yeah, that's, oh, it's a new Dawn joke, 6.5, okay, <laughs> I, look, I, I, you can only pay attention to so many games at one time, it's the unfortunate truth, that's why, that's why a lot of games coverage it involves multiple people. <laughs> When you're one or two people, you gotta pick and choose. Um, yeah, getting getting pay raises to people who make these games when I don't know a lot of these developers are not making very much. Uh, seems like a good idea. Let's see. Yeah, these guys have been working on Valhalla, Far Cry Six, Watch Dogs Legion, uh, across a number of offices. Uh, their immediate will also be receiving more vacation days and better pay during parental leave. That that's good. 
Um, three started it, and every single following game was exactly the same boss with different personalities. Yeah, see, that's the thing. And I understand that line of reasoning, but I believe in Nintendo's rule of three, which is, like, once you hit three, like, if you're going to go for a fourth one, you better have something else different. Because I'm going to... If I haven't checked out by three, I've definitely checked out once you've gotten to four. Uh, they're definitely... Quote, they're desperately trying to hold on to what few experienced devs are still here, one current developer in the Canadian studios told Kotaku. But the the exact amount of the raises will vary depending on the employee's position at the company. According to the worker group A Better Ubisoft, which is the the group we were talking about last week, uh, junior staff will receive a 5 to 7% increase, while the most senior staff could see their pay increased up by up to 20%. That would mean a lower level developer might see a 50,000 a year salary instead of a, wait, increased by 2,500, while higher level developer making 100,000 could see as much as 20,000 in additional pay. So that sucks. Um, I see, but it, it's, it says what their intent is, which is like, look, these people at the top are wanted, and I bet the people at the top are fucking burnt out. Um... And so, yeah, trying to just go big on keeping those bigger names to keep keep things together while they are expanding into different areas and making these fucking gigantic games with big-name actors. Um, these moves do absolutely nothing to address the key demands of a better Ubisoft. Uh, in addition, by weighting the pay rises enormously in favor of senior staff management are exacerbating the gap between highly and low-paid workers, which, true. Um, yep, 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 yep. So they're still figuring that out. Uh, sources tell Kotaku that Ubisoft has been bleeding up, bleeding top-level talent for the past couple years. In addition to the allegations that came out in 2020, these departures have also come as part of a general wave of resignations throughout the global pandemic, which all y'all know about, so we won't worry about that too much. Um... Do 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 to retain talent. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh Eidos, which recently released Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, announced last month that it would be moving to a four-day, 32-hour work week. Sources cold told Kotaku that Ubisoft Montreal experimented with 36-hour work weeks over this past summer, and that management had how would that how do you split that up? Are you doing like are you doing like nine hour four day? Because like, I don't know about you guys, but when I go to work and it's like, if I were to do four eight hour days and it's like, all right, you come in for four hours on Friday. Like part of me is like, yay, I only, I only have to work four hours that day. But another one's like, I'm here, man. I'm, I'm here already. Like if you're going to make me come in anyway. I would much rather have the nine-hour four-day. But, you know, that's just me. Uh, everyone has their best ways of working. Uh, sources called blah, blah, blah. And that management had considered the initiative a success, but when asked about continuing or expanding, it said the policy was shot down as unworkable for 36-hour. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, they also said that the company has been resistant to implementing any changes that would lead to greater pay transparency. Uh, something that a competitor, Activision Blizzard, just announced it would do in response to demands from employees. Th look, pay transparency is not bad. <laughs> it's 
good to know that stuff. Like, just... If you're hiding pay, I, I don't trust what's happening. Just be transparent and, and own it and discuss it. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that's, that's that story. Ubisoft going through it right now. Big changes there. This was funny. Uh, digital versions of Metal Gear Solid 2 and Metal Gear Solid 3 will be temporarily removed starting tomorrow, November 8th of this story. Konami is currently working on renewing licenses for select historical archive footage used in-game, which is a very interesting reason to um, have to remove your game and get this stuff. Huh. Yeah. Okay, so I assume, yeah, some people in the comments here are like, they're just going to remove the footage, which, I don't know, I haven't played two or three in a long, long time, but uh, eh, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. It'd be weird to not have that footage. I don't know. Uh, hey, any Mass Effect fans? Because uh, I don't know if you noticed. You probably did uh, over the last week. New Mass Effect? They're working on it? Um, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Anything new? I don't know. It shows shows a ship. It shows four four people, which looks like Shepard, uh, Rex, and what I believe to be Garrix. I choose to believe is Garrus. And then someone up front that I don't recognize and uh and then the picture on the top it shows like a crater and like moon dust around it uh which seems to look like a geth so maybe it involves the geth in some way anyway they're working on new mass effect uh so enjoy um Iron Rose. So as a game designer myself, I can tell you four hours of work depending on the difficulty of coding. The project could literally take four hours to just get it to work. That's not including bug fixing. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. And that's the thing, not including the bug fixing. Yeah. I I don't know what I don't know what tasks like people are having to do, but I don't know. Four hours seems four hours does not seem like enough time to do too much like if you're gonna do again yeah i'm i'm more inclined to do nine hours four days but i don't know i don't know what's going on over there everyone has their different workloads i imagine uh let's see boo, 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 mass effect people are taking screenshots and looking at things in the thing and yeah people are still fans of mass effect not surprised. So, new life. Oh, that's right. They also released this infographic for Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Uh, let's look through this. What percentage have you imported your Shepard from a previous game? 65%. Majority. Uh, Jane John uh, Shepard was 23%, while 77% made a unique character, which uh, is funny, the amount of uh, effort that was put into... And like talking about the main character of Mass Effect, and most people just make themselves if they can, or not themselves necessarily, just just unique people. Uh, Mass Effect One uh, difficulty level fifty four percent went normal. 
Mass Effect 2, 50% went normal. Mass Effect 3, 35% normal, 28%, or no, 35% went casual. So that was the leader. And then 28% went normal. Wow. Okay. Um, how did you choose to end the Mass Effect 3 Citadel DLC, which I don't know much about? Uh, 62%, I will end you. Uh, as opposed to the opposite. Of all players who completed the Mass Effect 1 prologue, how many recruited Garrus? 85%. Who are you 15 people? Terrible. Uh, if the council lives, who did you choose as humanity's first counselor? 85% chose Anderson. Because come on. Um, how did you end Mass Effect 3? Ooh. This split. Um... Yeah, uh, that, that's, that's a decent split. Red one. I don't want to read them out in case like people are listening on the podcast and, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, haven't played Mass Effect 3 by now. But, yeah, they went red. I'd love to go back and try that again. But I don't want to play through all of Mass Effect again. <laughs> so, I don't know. 8% refused to choose between the three. Interesting. Did you save the Citadel Council? 69%? Yes. If the Council dies, then what? Uh, do you go Alien Council or Human Council? And 59% went Alien Council. All right. Did you let Diana Ehlers, Allers join the Normandy? 97% agreed. Yes. Recruit. Uh, did Fist survive Mass Effect 1? 80. Wow. Uh, 82% says Rex kills Fix. <laughs> um all right here's here's the real stuff all right who was in your who in your crew was loyal to you uh number one and two garris and grunt uh i find it interesting rex is not in this uh i assume they're putting garrett rex and grunt together i don't understand um anyway uh, let's see. Jacob tied with Grunt. Miranda tied with Grunt. Miranda, you people picking Miranda. You people are strange. Uh, Jack's down at ninety three percent. That's my that's my person. Thane is at ninety four. Legion's ninety five. Kasumi ninety five. Samara ninety four. Zaid ninety three. Tali ninety three. And Morden at ninety. I'm actually shocked by that. Uh, people like Morden, but yeah. Interesting little... Yeah, Grunt is amazing. Grunt is great. I'm very much a Garrison Jack person, but Grunt and Rex are fantastic. T totally deserving of front-runner status. Hmm. All right. I, I have to bring this up. I brought it up last week. It's just... It's, it's boggling my mind. Uh, let's see. Square Enix... It says that its net sales for MMO games increased 32.5% year over year, which of course it did because of the World of Warcraft stuff that happened, which led into, you know, it was the perfect time for Final Fantasy XIV because the expansion's coming out. Um, here's the thing I wanted to read. Square Enix is also looking into entering the blockchain and NFT games segment. Hallelujah. It continues. Whatever the hell we are rushing towards, it continues. 
Um, Shisan say million author mobile was proof of concept. Believes games are expanding from centralized to decentralized formats. Expect to benefit as NFTs and token economies take hold. Uh, let's see. So let's look at these slides here. Business strategies for achieving our medium-term earnings target, strengthening our IP ecosystem, take on new domains, optimize business structure for COVID world. Uh, official release of Shi Sansei Million Author, uh, NFT digital cards, contemplating robust entry into blockchain games. Um, let's see. So a proof of concept for establishing what synergies ugh, we can derive by combining NFTs with our business assets initiated with NFT digital cards. Okay, so NFTs are going to destroy the economy as we know it. <laughs> I don't so, okay, so this has been just been racking my brain as I let you know last week. Um, I actually decided to look up and research a little bit on blockchain and how NFTs work and things like that. And th the only thing I see from this that explains why that explains why all of this is happening is what companies are going to do is they're going to create these items that are in limited quantity and because they are happening through the blockchain using cryptocurrencies, like the, the value of the currency, well, I mean, so, so the, the value of the item can fluctuate. Usually uh, companies like set a price and then let it go. Um, but with NFTs, like the amount of demand there is, the more money uh it'll cost and then you know gaming whales who are willing to spend thousands of dollars on some nonsense item uh will pick it up and then all of a sudden you know this game company got four or five figures or in the case of nfts some of them are six figures um just got a bunch of money for n no damn reason they made one item and they'll make like five of them, and it's like, this is a super rare item. They'll make it like very shiny and gold. And, and then they'll let people fight over it, and then it, it costs lots of money. And then the developers just get a bunch of ridiculous money from people who have money to burn. Um, that's the only way I see this being a thing. And then there's like creating your own, your own currency. Uh, you know, you have, I imagine like Ubisoft currency or EA currency that travels across their games, um, which ignores, you know, platform borders and all that. Um, yeah, this just, it, it, let's see, uh, Iron Rose, NFTs need to stick to being obtained by in-game coin and then traded with real money if that person would like to trade. Um... I mean, I assume they're going to have a marketplace where you're you're able to uh, you're able to resell these, right? Like that's what this. It sounds like you should be able to do that. They're going to be worth a real, you know, they're going to be worth money, and then yeah, I imagine you should be able because yeah, that's kind of like what's expected with NFTs, right? So, in the space outside of games. Uh, Jason Schreier made a point. They, he wrote an article uh, on blockchain that uh, was very negative, to put it lightly. Uh, but basically, it was like, I mean, I, very negative. It was, it was 
acknowledging that game companies were following blockchain and NFT stuff without really knowing how it worked, which I think to an extent is absolutely true. But I think when you understand how NFTs work and all that, this is this benefits the company more than anyone else. Like sh- there's some like stock market kind of like flipping assets approach that if you really wanted to dive into that end of things, you could maybe make money doing this. But no, oh man, this sucks. Um, and all you know, it depends on how the, how they use it too, right? Like it's. If it's like cosmetic items and it's like a rare, you know, five items are this and like people who have ridiculous amounts of money are wasting that money buying that thing and then are trying to trade it and like not. I wonder if that'll lead to like some in-game bullying, like only the rich people have these five five items and everyone just turns on the rich kid, you know, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, also, this is very funny given that NFTs, the way they are currently set up right now, uh, they burn up a ridiculous amount of electricity, which is not good for the environment and trying to stop this bullshit, you know, we're trying not to burn ourselves off the planet in 100 years or so, Uh, but, and then we just create this needless thing. Now, Ethereum, I found out, is trying to create a different way of doing their proof of stake doing proof of stake instead of proof of work um so that it doesn't require burning a ton of electricity which will be more environmentally conscious so that issue hopefully will be solved sometime in 2022 uh at least on the uh ethereum end uh but very funny coming from square enix publisher of final fantasy 7 uh that they're dipping into NFT stuff. That's, ooh, ugh. Games are further expanding from centralized into decentralized formats. In addition to the sort of content creation we have traditionally engaged in, we will focus on blockchain games, underlined, (laughs) premised on token economies as a form of decentralized content. Um... Let's see, Iron Rose. Uh, You'll never truly make money from NFTs because there is only one. Trade value cannot increase if there is only one unless it's like a bartering system where players bid on how uh, how much they are going to spend for the pointless. That's what I'm thinking they're doing, right? It's not like bartering, but like I think they're going to bid. Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you you just say, hey, I'm willing to sell this if it reaches a certain price and then you do some like cool stuff with it on like a a viral video and then people want it more than they did before i don't know it depends on how they implement this right i don't know i'm also not someone who who ventures much into nfc nft stores i looked a little bit and the only use i see for players is in a metaverse context. When you look at that that Facebook video of them doing the metaverse stuff and like you have your PlayStation home room, like you get this NFT item, this piece of art, and then you put it in your room. And it's like, that's a cool piece of art. Yeah, it's worth six figures. That's pretty stupid, but okay. Um, if you do look at some of those NFT marketplaces, there are some like neat, it's not all gross looking monkeys and lions. There's actually some like neat little art, but it's not, it's not six figures worth. 
God. Um, anyway, Square Enix is doing that. Uh, <laughs> continuing the string, Zynga hires a VP of blockchain gaming. Uh, Zynga's around, in case you forgot about Zynga. Uh, Matt Wolf, responsible for integrating NFTs into companies' existing games and overseeing creation of new titles with NFTs as part of the core gameplay loop. Man, this... I. Uh, Iron Rose. Mona Lisa NFT is going to be worth more than the actual painting. Yeah. Probably. Again, when you think about it in the metaverse context, like, sure, there's only going to be, supposedly going to be one Mona Lisa. I hope there's a real big, like, hacking group. I want an underground metaverse where everyone is just replicating everyone's NFTs. I want the underground metaverse. I don't want I don't want the people who are trying to like bid on shit metaverse. I don't want capitalist metaverse. Get me out of there. Um let's see. Wolf will focus on the opportunity to integrate non-fungible tokens and blockchain technology into Zynga's existing portfolio. Like we don't care very much about Zynga, about Zynga games here, but I just this is all about trying to understand what this approach is because a lot of companies in the games industry are, are doing this right now. Zynga said Wolf will help target a new market and legitimize new ownership possibilities for gamers. New ownership possibilities. Um, prior to joining Zynga, Wolf funded media agency D20, but he spent most of the last decade with Coca-Cola. Um, leaving the company in 2018, it's the senior VP of entertainment for strategic partnerships and ventures. Great. Um, but he did work with EA and Sega uh, a little bit in the 90s. Uh, this is coming from Games Industry Biz, uh, who at the bottom of this article says, Game, Game Industry Biz is on the record as taking a dim view of the environmental impact of blockchain technology and NFTs as they exist today and has scaled back coverage of them, particularly in the startup space. Yeah, the startup space, people are trying to start a bunch of different stuff. Uh, I saw... A lot of like people on itch.io are trying to create nft games like fuck you guys damn it um let's see this guy says metaverse apps to generate over three billion dollars in 2022 which is so funny because like we have some metaverse stuff happening right now but it's not it's not second life yet it's it's a lot of early shit i don't know this is so early Yeah, I see I see a lot of ways for for companies to make money with it and that's kind of it. Uh I don't see a benefit to players other than the the other thing I saw was uh Snoop Dogg like held a party for people who owned a certain kind of NFT and then Snoop Dogg I assume was there maybe um and uh yeah, so that, that was the other use I saw of NFTs is that owning a certain NFT of a series like got you into exclusive parties, which, great. Okay. I can do that for free? It's just a way, I don't, I don't know. It's just dumb. Uh, I wanted to point this out real quick. Uh, Forza Horizon 5 is adding an update that adds a sign language interpreter on screen during cutscenes. Uh, After launch, whoa. players will be able to enable a sign language interpreter for Hang all on. of the game's cutscenes. They can choose to turn this on for both ASL and BSL. So yeah. Horizon and Mexico are family. 
So yeah, they got they got some some sign interpretation happen over there, which is neat. You know, deaf people, I imagine, will appreciate that. Um, which is funny because you got subtitles here happening at the same time, but I don't know. There's probably a use for it. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't do it, right? That's my thought. Uh, Iron Rose, we're only 15 years from having Ready, Ready Player One. They're saying yes. Facebook is being optimistic with a five to ten year um prediction they gotta get the vr they they need to keep going with the oculus quest uh thing where they need to be wireless it needs to not be heavy on your head they're also trying to work on ar glasses they need to figure out a way to do full body capture especially with sitting down most people are going to be sitting down while they do this most of the time so they need to figure out how to capture full body while people are sitting I think um, that probably means two base stations and and all that fun stuff. Uh, but yeah, we're getting there. My problem is the way they're going about it is creating this. I don't know digital ownership, artificial scarcity. It is not what the internet was intended for. It's 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 a step back. But cool thing is. One thing I think Mark Zuckerberg said that I that is true is that uh, they aren't going to own the metaverse. Uh, the metaverse is a lot of different people collaborating, making stuff. So again, underground metaverse that keeps the spirit of the internet intact and all the chaos that comes with it. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we're on we're on our way towards the Matrix meta- Ready Player One. We just we're working on the technology, and then people are just being shitty about it. Imagine, imagine like the Matrix. Imagine like some cool shit, and then just doing the lamest shit with it. That's what this NFT stuff tells me. It's like, wow, you guys, you really couldn't, you really couldn't think of anything cool to do. You had to, like, well, there's a way to make money, I suppose. Uh, let's see. Physical copies of Shimigami Tensei 5 in Canada have been delayed to November 16th, and it looks like that's been uh, happening uh, with the physical release. I don't know if that's been happening in other areas, but uh, I just noticed that. I have a friend who's been playing um, Shimigami Tensei 5 and has been saying it's really good. Uh, so, good for them. I also from hear from another person that it's also difficult. <laughs> so, uh, but I hear it's good. Uh, Iron Rose. Games are supposed to be fun, not about spending money. I mean, yeah, right? Like, but then... Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, though. They're trying to they're trying to get money in as many different ways as possible. That's what the whole Battle Pass and Loot Boxes stuff... That's, that's what that's about. And they got blowback for that, but not enough. Uh, and now they're dipping into NFT to take from the people who have the money for it although jim sterling a long long time ago um was uh shit lost it yeah uh the problem is there's like a there's an addiction problem with with certain video games and these companies can prey on using like addictive behaviors and then make them spend have them spend money that they can't afford to spend but the game just knows how to get those tick those right boxes to get those wallets to open up and it's it's predatory 
And I imagine that will play a bit into the NFT space as well. Um, I mean, yeah, you just go on Twitter and look at NFT scams. The amount of people who've had the rug pulled out from under them. Just, ugh. It's not good. Uh, PlayStation is set to announce a remake of a big game this Christmas, according to a musician who claims to be involved with its soundtrack. Um, and then everyone's just down here speculating as to what that game's going to be. Um, but, yeah. They're going to announce a remake of a big game this Christmas. They like making their remakes. I don't know. Uh, Xbox. Let's celebrate together. Yep, they're gonna they're gonna do uh, Monday, November fifteenth, ten a.m. Pacific time, one p.m. Eastern time. Uh, six a.m. six six GMT six p.m. GMT. Uh, they're gonna do a little stream celebrating twenty years. Um, there's an ASL version. Dun, 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 dun. Fan fest. There's trivia and giveaways. Updated membership badges. Um, okay, okay, okay. Showcase your... Alright, well that was not a very informative article. Let's go to the next one. Uh, Microsoft Windows Store is finally becoming more Steam-like for games. Uh, the Xbox app will soon let you install PC games freely. Uh, let's see... Let's, let's see, Microsoft will finally... This is from The Verge. Uh, Microsoft will finally allow Windows users to install PC games from the Microsoft Store or Xbox Game Pass for PC to any folder of their choice with unrestricted access. The move will allow PC gamers to access the folders of games and mod them freely or let Windows users move games freely to any folders or drives of their choice. Um, the changes are part of an Xbox app update for Windows that's currently being tested internally. The Xbox app update will finally address a big pain point of installing games from Xbox Game Pass for PC where players would run into issues with the Microsoft Store, the restricted Windows apps folder, or just the inability to fully control where games were installed. Uh, while Microsoft ha has supported mods for certain titles in the Microsoft Store, previously opening up the folder process access to games will now enable more games to support mods without players needing to enable this in games. Good. Good. Ugh. Um, th I mean, now Xbox is catching up to other services in offering this. So, mm, but, yeah, good. Do, 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 All right. We're not going to worry about that too much anymore. I clicked this article because I'm interested in it, but I don't know if uh, it may take too long to get into the nitty-gritty of it. But it's the title is Xbox Explains Its Acquisition Strategy. Um, Xbox has been all about investments. Yep, yep, yep. I always thought that gaming was undervalued historically. When I, this is uh, Sarah Bond, corporate vice president at Xbox. When I see people waking up to the power of games and the inherent value of it, that's a real confirmation of our acquisition strategy. We believed that all along, and it's that belief that was the basis with which we built Game Pass. It's that belief that enables us to do the acquisitions that we have. It just encourages us to keep going and is affirmation that we are, yep, okay, got it. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. 
Uh, let's see. These days, gaming acquisitions have become a major talking point. Microsoft bought major studios like Bethesda and Double Fine. What's next? While Bond wouldn't get uh, specific, she did talk about what it is Xbox looks for when pondering a new studio purchase. What we are looking for is fit. Uh, noting that Xbox is looking for acquisitions that can add value to both parties. Yeah, okay. What does that mean? Um, any game studio could give Microsoft more exclusive content to Game Pass, which itself gives Xbox more value. It's just a matter of searching for gaps that it wants filled. For instance, I imagine Microsoft now thinks that it's pretty set on our RPG front with Bethesda, Obsidian, and Inexile in its stable. Uh, Microsoft also has shooters covered well with the Halo and Gears franchises. Uh, yeah. So, they're, they're, <laughs> they have gaps. They have gaps in uh, their games library, and their idea for uh, acquisitions is filling those gaps, which, good call. Mm-mm-mm. Coffee time. Excuse me while I fill up this coffee cup. I have been talking nonstop for an hour. Ugh. All right. Next story. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Halo Infinite. Tech, t- tech preview two outcomes. So they've been working on this. Mm. Let's see. They provided some accessibility stuff. Uh, positive. Friend or foe outline color options. What is this positive? Does that mean like people... People agree they like what they added here. Uh, I do like the friend or foe outline color options. That's nice. Um, full controller and keyboard and mouse remapping continues to receive praise. Ability to change text size across the entire game. Subtitles for multiplayer. Players like it. Feedback, which is uh, a word for criticism. <laughs> uh, desire for an auto sprint option. Ooh. Desire for more color controls in a... F- uh, a full colorblind mode. Um, I hear color, colorblind modes in games are not what they should be. But let's see. Iron Rose. Xbox buys Bethesda and multiple game studios. PlayStation does the same, but with smaller companies. Ten years later, Disney buys both and rules the world. Nintendo slowly losing grip, slowly giving Disney more power. Uh, five years later, we all have Mickey ear hats. I mean, Mickey ear hats are going to be on the Disney VR AR glasses, right? Like, that's how that's how you get them on. You have to have it on at all times. And they have your name, like in that gold, like sparkly ink on top. Personalized VR, AR, Mickey Mouse hats, glasses, headsets. Um, yeah. I, yeah hmm. Disney has the money. They could. There's a lot of money to be had in... in you know, I don't. I don't know if they're going to do it though. Uh, let's see. Accessibility team response. Da, 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 da. Okay, let's move on to audio. Uh, everything was positive here, um, except for uh, feedback. Needler super combine explosion sounds good, but can be too quiet. And we're that's not as fun. Uh, live customizations looking great. Feedback. Many players want to earn per match XP outside of challenges. Yeah. Uh, concerns about around timed double XP boost efficiency, uh, desire for a career ranking system in addition to the battle pass. There's response to all of these these uh, 
points, by the way, on the Halo Waypoint site. If you just search Tech Preview 2 Outcomes, uh, they have responses to all these. Uh, they got a training mode here uh, for multiplayer. Do, 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 combat sensor. Let's say the range is too small. This is, I, anyway, I pulled this up because it's, it's just interesting to see the dev noting the positive and negative feedback and then responding with a couple paragraphs in each. Um, oh, here is the one thing I, I pulled this up for. Um, Jeff Steitzer's voice will return in BTB. Uh, we weren't able to get this change in for December 8th, but we are looking forward to bringing his voice back in all its glory as soon as we can. Okay, so they're getting in there. They're getting there. The man himself. Got to get that voice in. Um, ba, 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 ba. Halo news, Halo, Halo, Halo. Uh, speaking of Halo news, we're just going to move on from here. Uh, let's get to the good Halo news. Uh, earlier this week, uh, Xbox stored data for Halo Infinite multiplayer. This guy, Adam Fairclaw? Fairclaw? Um, no, highlighted some dates. Pre-order release date, colon, 2021, November 15th. And that... Uh, and this is only for multiplayer, by the way, is what it says. Um, however, uh, click that off. And then just later that day, Halo Infinite multiplayer listing got updated. Pre-order release date, December 8th. <laughs> um, however, that all it is is just changing the store listing. Um, and then we got over here, Halo Infinite uh, release November 15th. Um, it shouldn't, it should not release. Because that, that would be, that's tomorrow. That's Monday. There's no way. There's no way. I, that seems like, that seems like someone left like code from before the last push. Um, but, yeah. People aren't happy. But, is what it is. Anyway, that's the rumor going around. Uh, but I don't think it's I don't think it's happening. It'd be cool if it was, but I don't think it's happening. Here's the cool news. Here's the best news involving Xbox. This show, uh, VGC News reports, a new one versus one hundred game is quote definitely in development at Microsoft. It's been claimed. <laughs> so you got a you got a source for this? I'm gonna open this up. Um, that's according to journalist Jeff Grubb, who claimed on his Giant Bomb show that the game is currently in active development at Altspace VR, which is part of Microsoft's Mixed Reality Division. So here we go. Your, here's your big meta space game, meta metaverse game is one versus 100, which will be, that's a, that was a great, uh, game for experimenting with having like a live announcer uh, getting your avatars involved and all that. That is, this is a great metaverse game to develop. So, like, yeah, good call here. Stand in, stand in your booth. That'd be fun. That'd be a good time. 
That's a good. That's a good early metaverse game. And uh, Jeff Grubb has been pretty good with their. Uh, I don't know if you guys are subscribed to Giant Bomb, but he has a little news show, and he get he gets scoops. That man gets scoops. Um, and it's a good damn idea. People have been asking for one versus one hundred to come back for a while, which is funny because the one versus one hundred show didn't care for. It had what's his name from the Olsen twins show that I can't remember. Full House? Is that Full House? Is that what it's called? Bob Saget. I think Bob Saget was the was the host for that. Um Let's see. Da, 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 da. They're definitely making that game. It seems like it's coming from the Ultimate VR team. They're spearheading the project and all the avatars we saw in the Microsoft Teams thing last week. They're going to use those avatars and bring that stuff in. Uh, Xbox, head of Xbox Phil Spencer has previously suggested that Xbox could be working on a trivia game from our past. Yeah, that doesn't... <laughs> that does not leave a lot of wiggle room there. Um, Iron Rose. I've got Halo pre-ordered right now. I hope it doesn't flop. Everything I'm hearing says it's good. The only thing that's like weird is pushing the campaign the way they have but you know what getting getting halo multiplayer out before christmas so that people are buying the xbox uh at christmas time i think is a very good strategy that halo player halo multiplayer is what people come to halo for long term um yeah no good call uh we'll see it sounds like it's good it sounds like it's good I don't think it's going to take over the world. I don't think it's going to do Call of Duty numbers, but I think it will do well. Um, let's see. I just want to say, when our teams are trying to do new things that we've never done before, I want to be 100% behind those things, Spencer explained on the live stream. Sometimes they'll turn out amazing. Sometimes they'll be good learning experiences for us. That's a good way to look at it. But for all the fans who have seen, who have been on this with us, we're going to make it good with you guys. We don't know exactly what it is yet, so thanks for hanging with us during this in our little experiment. Oh yeah, this is just this is just maybe we should even be building our own trivia game like from our past that allows people to play a trivia game more often. Maybe that could happen. Yeah, it's just that's just that's just Phil Spencer having fun. Um And then apparently in 2019 he just directly said he'd love to do one versus one hundred again. Um problem with it is that it's owned by a game show company. Um so, so I don't know. Looking at this, this, these quotes here, it could be that they don't have one versus one hundred, but they're doing something very similar, just getting as close as they can while not owning the IP for it. Um, but yeah, that's a good idea. Either way, whatever they do, they should just make their own IP. Like that's that's not that's not a hard that's not a hard game to recreate with your own spin and stay out of legal trouble you can do that hmm. uh back for blood i don't know if you guys have been uh playing much of that i haven't because i don't have a team i don't have a group of people to play with uh they announced a roadmap they got free updates november quality of life improvements major bug fi fixes december all new features, new supply lines, uh, ridden practice areas, holiday seasonal event, solo offline with campaign progression. That is nice. 
Uh, new card type, all new cards, 2022. New difficulty, new player cards, new corruption cards, new co-op mode. All right, melee updates. Melee updates in 2022, wow. Uh, quality of life improvements. Uh, annual pass, you're, we're getting uh, Tunnels of Terror, which is coming. We have three expansions. They say they're all coming in 2022. I don't know. We'll see about that. Um, all new cleaners, ridden, activity type, weapons, cards, and exclusive skins. It's all coming. So, uh, Back for Blood. Yeah, I don't know. I, I want to play it, but I'm going to have to play it by myself most of the time. And from what I understand, like it's just not good for... It's not, it's not good for single player, is what I understand. So, a bunch of people talking about it. Um, do, 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 do. Fix buzz. Yeah, people are just like, uh, fix, fix stuff. Fix this and fix that. And as you do. Um, new difficulty. Yeah, I know that that was another thing was uh, back for blood is is can be pretty difficult. Um anyway. I I intend to check that game out eventually. But yeah. Uh Sega has trademarked the name Sonic Frontiers. I don't know if you guys remember that that Sonic trailer a while ago that had like the weird ass logo on it. Uh but that's that could be what this is. Maybe not. Um, Sega Frontier. Sonic Frontier. Front, Sonic Frontiers. Still have no idea what that's going to be. Anyway, just wanted to keep you guys updated on Sonic. I know you I know all are... You want to be up on the up and up for that. Star Citizen developer plans 1,000-person Manchester Mega Studio. This game is still going? A five-year plan will see 700 people fill the building by 2023 before further growth to an eye-opening team size of 1,000 by 2026. So, yeah, it's, got, it's gotten player funding to $350 million. The studio also has still nebulous plans for a, quote, Hollywood-caliber single-player campaign, Squadron 42, which still hasn't happened. Uh, the company is committed to game development. Blah, 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 blah. I know nothing about this game. <laughs> Jump to comments, 107, on this Eurogamer article. <laughs> I'm more than happy to move to Manchester for a decent wage and not actually make anything. <laughs> well, let's look at the low score, low scoring comments. Um, scam citizen. Oh my god. I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I've heard some people on our Discord say. That there's something to it, but I just, one of these days, I'll hear about that game and it's like, oh wow, it's a video game now. 
Um, good lord, that that I don't I don't know what's happening over there. Uh, Video Games Chronicle. EA is working on a new Fight Night game, codenamed Moneyball. Uh, development has been halted until the next EA Sports UFC game is completed. Which one is this? Um. <laughs> so yeah, two two takes on this. Uh, one, I love Fight Night. I would love to see another Fight Night game. Those games are fun. Uh. Also, this comment here, this is not Def Jam fight for New York. <laughs> I want to fight as Megan the Stallion and stomp out Tory Lanez. <laughs> uh, fight Night's good. I want more Fight Night. Let's go. Uh, GTA Trilogy Definitive Edition Music, the confirmed radio tracks. This was a big deal until a bigger deal happened um, later on. Uh, they got a number of uh, songs here, as you can see. Plenty of songs. However, they also lost a bunch of songs, which, here we go. Um, here are the missing tracks. Uh, they lost Bark at the Moon in Vice City. It's a shame. They lost Billie Jean. Uh, some of these are like, you know... It's not, it's not shocking. Pump me up, Trouble Funk. Missing running down a dream in San Andreas. Uh, missing I don't give a fuck by Tubac. Missing Express Yourself by N.W.A. Missing Killing in the Name by Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Yep. But that got overshadowed because GTA Trilogy Chaos continues as Hot Coffee Sex Minigame Files reportedly uncovered. The Hot Coffee controversy is alive and well. We're back. There's been a bunch of stuff with the GTA game. It's been, it's like the remaster has not been very remastered. There's bugs. There's some real fucked up stuff. I, if I read correctly, the news story was uh, that they got like the mobile developer, the one who did like a mobile port for GTA, uh, and yeah, these these files include uh, unlicensed music, full game scripts with developer notes, and even files claimed by users to be related to the infamous. Uh, sex minigame hot coffee at the time of writing GTA trilogy has been unavailable on PC for nearly two days Rockstar's PC games launcher finally went back online after a 24 hour downtime on Saturday but definitive edition remains locked out um, the definitive edition is unavailable to play or purchase as we remove files unintentionally included in these versions um, we're sorry for the disruption and hope to have correct ones up soon yeah, uh, I got all the music files still in there, apparently. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. And yeah, apparently the game, apparently Diff Machine is still in there. At least files related to it. Yeah, here, here's a tweet right here. Uh, supposedly... Showing the uh, showing the code here. 
which would be really great if I could read code. Excitement counter on screen. <laughs> sex machine lags. Or sex machine flags. 13. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, that's happening. And then, yeah, just a bunch of stuff. Bad, bad stuff's happening with that definitive edition. Um, yeah, here we go. Uh, here's another tweet. Oh, God, they used AI to upscale the signs in the GTA remasters, so a lot of the classic jokes that are lost because the algorithm just guessed. They didn't even check. So guitar wank becomes guitar hank. And air guitar becomes AR guitar. Oh my god. Oh my god. They just use this AI to try and... Fuck. Uh, that's rough. Um, let's see. Oh, shaft hot dogs. The taste of a real man's meat got changed to shaft hot dogs. The taste of a real man's heat. Hank Hill... Is somewhere twitching for some reason. He doesn't know why. Top fun got changed to top bun. Um, wow. Just. <laughs> yeah. That, that definitive edition. Good, good luck to anyone who, who bought that. That seems, seems bad. Uh, Take-Two Interactive removes more GTA mods using DMCA strikes. This sucks. Like, why? As players continue to criticize the recently released GTA Trilogy Remastered Collection, Rostar Games' parent company Take-Two Interactive has decided this is the perfect time to use DMCA takedown notices to remove some more GTA mods and fan projects. On November 11th, uh, according to the folks over at GTA modding site Liberty City, Take-Two contacted them and used DMCA strikes to remove three different GTA-related mods. Three removal mods are GTA Advanced PC Port Beta 2, The Lost and Damned Unlocks for GTA 4, and GTA 4 EFLC, The Lost and Damned. Uh, the PC port is a fan-developed project attempting to port the game into the GTA 3 engine. Uh, wow. Developed by Digital Eclipse, GTA Advance was only released on the Game Boy Advance in 2004. I want to look at this footage here. Um, this is supposedly GTA... Wait, so it's GTA Advance, uh, but then ported onto the GTA 3 engine. What a weird, specific thing to do. Which, like, neat, I guess. Uh... GTA Advance was only released on the Game Boy Advance in 2004. Um, weird. What a weird thing to do. But neat in a way also. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. Huh. This person is not hitting anyone on these sidewalks, and that's what I'm really curious about. My, I want like blood and gore on my Game Boy Advance. I don't know. Anyway, DMCA stopped that, apparently. Lost and Damned Unlocked is a mod released in 2009, which lets players swap out the star of GTA 4, Nico Bellic, with the protagonist of the Lost and Damned DLC, biker Johnny Klebitz. Also included new biker outfits and icons. That does not... Why? What? What is the point? Um, G 
GTA 4 EEFLC isn't even a mod, it's just a save file for the game that lets players start from the 65% completion. <laughs> yes, Take-Two used a DMCA strike against a save file for a game released over a decade ago. This one is weird. Why? Um, yeah, a lot of DMCA strikes, which just, it just sucks. Don't do that. Kotaku spoke to some modders who seemed fed up with Rockstar and many more and moved on to other games from other companies worried about the potential legal pitfalls. <sighs> and then, uh, similar and also dumber, id Software is trying to stop a man who wants to name his band Doom Scroll, which doesn't even have anything to do with... Doom scrolling is that thing where you spend way too much time flipping through Twitter or Instagram reading bad news. And apparently a metal guitarist in Dallas, Texas thought it would be the perfect name for a band. Sure. But after attempting to trademark the band name, Doom Devs id Software began a legal opposition to the game to the name which could go out. Why? It has nothing to do with Doom. Are you going to start something involving the phrase Doom Scroll? Really? Uh, a guitarist and Amazon employee, Dustin Mitchell, is potentially facing a legal battle over Doom Scroll, the name of a new progressive thrash metal band. That, you know? He was inspired to use Doom Scroll as his band name after reading an article about a QAnon obsessed woman who destroyed a rack of face masks located at her local Target. She would later explain that led to the outburst, saying, All I did was Doom Scroll. <laughs> Mitchell liked the sound of the word. What, that was your first time encountering Doom Scroll? Anyway, uh, Mitchell, who claims to not be very online, oh, well, that, okay, that explains it. Doesn't Doom Scroll himself decided in February to trademark the band name with the US patent? Yeah, what? Got an email from a lawyer. Why? Hmm. They're trying to take something away from me that is completely unrelated to them. Trademark layer told why. Lawyer told Wired that while it might seem odd, Mitchell most likely had every right to trademark the word Doom Scroll because within the context of music, it is not generic or descriptive of music, musical performances, or musical services, but its lawyers are most likely scooting in to try to protect the brand name and franchise from any confusion. According to the Wired report, it has similarly stepped in to stop other folks from trademarking or registering brand names that use the word Doom including a rock metal event named Maryland Doom Fest and a podcast titled Garden of Doom. Really? Fucking copyright laws need to be redone so goddamn badly. Um, anyway, Marvel Avengers, as we recall from last week, uh, is, in some, is in a situation and I think the biggest, the biggest test to date of how long can this game go on is coming up with Spider-Man. Spider-Man, I believe, is only available for PS4. Yeah, it says here, PS4 and PS5 coming out on November 30th. So if you want to play Spider-Man uh, in Avengers, this is, this is your chance. And we'll have to see how it plays. And... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. This trailer that they have here, like, shows off the the voice acting and what the suit looks like, um, but it doesn't show any gameplay. So we have no idea 
what uh, what it's going to play like. And that's the real question. That was all, the whole thing about the Avengers when you first start playing is that like the size of the map, the size of the maps in those games required that movement be slower uh, than you would expect uh, for an Avengers game or a superhero game. So Spider-Man is a, a character, you know, Hulk can, you know, has a super jump and only can only jump so far. So imagine Spider-Man web-slinging. I wonder how that looks and feels uh, in comparison with the other heroes here. Anyway, uh, with great power coming out November 30th, we'll, we'll see how, if it looks good. I haven't seen any trailers. I saw some of the, the outfits. They have a classic Spider-Man outfit. They have noir. Um, they have uh, they have a few others. Nothing, nothing, nothing to write home about. I didn't see a PS4 Spider-Man outfit, which bummed me out because I really like that outfit. Uh, anyway, finally, we get to the final news story for our list today. Ooh, big stretch. Ooh, ooh this morning. Holy shit. Ah, uh, Jeff Keeley tweets out just over a month away, December 9th, Los Angeles, the Game Awards. They are upon us. Uh, the 9th is a Thursday, so mark your calendars for that. Um, let's let's move on to this article here over on Epic Games. Wow, why why the white? There we go. I had to got to turn on my dark list. Jeff Keighley details the Game Awards 2021 and beyond. Uh, Game Awards, I don't know if you guys have been following the Game Awards. Uh, it's... It, uh... It's, it's where they announce games. It's almost not even about the awards, unfortunately. Uh, Iron Rose, Spider-Man is one of the issues that the Avengers game had in the beginning. Yeah, no Spider-Man, first of all. I'm also bummed that Spider-Man's exclusive, but... Uh, it is what it is, and they did it on PS4 and PS5, so that's a, that's a fairly popular set of consoles there, so give a shot, but uh, it, made, it made a lot more sense when uh, it made a lot more sense when it seemed like it was going to be a big, big title. They were trying to aim for big AAA stuff but now that they're just trying to find people to play the game, this <laughs> this doesn't help. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. Let's go here. Some people have said to us, okay, let's see. And while by all accounts the show was a massive success, uh, the Game Awards founder and host Jeff Keighley is delighted to be returning to the theater. Some people have said to us, oh, it worked really well last year. Why don't you just do that again? Um, that's right, because they did their virtual event thing. Uh, one year hiatus to a virtual event that saw a mammoth jump in viewership that nearly doubled those watching up to about 83 million. Uh, let's see. Worked really well last year. Why don't you just do that again and have everyone on Zoom and you don't need to go back to the in-person event? Uh, I think we all felt that it was great that we did that, but we really missed the energy of people accepting their awards live and the reactions and all that type of stuff. I mean, there's a well-known reaction of someone giving the, the finger to Konami. Um, in that live show, which was fun. Uh, 
That isn't to say there weren't lessons learned in the purely virtual event from 2020. Keeley said that not having to worry about a, a seating chart for the theater and the red carpet made things a bit more relaxed last year in some ways. The, audio, the audience also reaffirmed, he said, that its biggest interest is in the games. Shocker. Uh, you know it's great to have celebrities, it's great to have music, but I think focusing really on games is important. Especially this year, there will be a lot of content for 2022 and 2023 that will be showing us our kind of biggest lineup yet of world premieres and announcements. What we really learned last year was at the end of the day, it really is the games and the trailers that drive the show. Like, okay, look. It was fun to have Vin Diesel come on, but you had Vin Diesel come on to show off a Fast and Furious game, which not a lot of people care about. Also, that game wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> so, and it wasn't, wasn't a great trailer, and then you actually played it, and it was like, oh, that's even worse. Um, you know, Vin Diesel's a gamer. It's cool to have Vin Diesel there, for sure. Just like how it was cool to have Jack Black there one year. Or Tenacious D, I think, was there. Uh, and the lead singer of Judas Priest, along with Tim Schafer, to talk about Brutal Legend. It was a good time. But Keeley said he expects the show to feature 40 to 50 games this year, some way or another. He added that the number of new games being announced is probably in the double digits. Probably in the double digits. So we're not. So, I don't know. I don't know. How does that compare to previous years? I wish it would say. Let's see. Do, do, do. Honestly, things are still evolving. What he does know is that the Game Awards 2021 will be a full-scale production with an orchestra on stage, special celebrity guests, the awards themselves, and a slew of new game announcements. I hope they figure out how to uh, do the uh, the awards bit because they they are not great at figuring out um, how to announce the awards. They will like just stuff some award, you know, in the back seat so that people don't see it happen like obviously the the announcement of games is pretty important right um i get that that makes sense but i'm also here for the uh for the awards themselves i want to see you know if we're going to treat this like an awards show let's look at all the awards I mean, yeah, Jack Black's been doing a lot of good streaming stuff. Vin Diesel does some does some gaming. I know he's more known for Dungeons and Dragons, but he had that one game, Wheel Man. I remember playing the demo of that a lot. It was it was fun for what it was, but it wasn't huge. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Uh. I do think generally because of the pandemic, developers are late on their games. Things are being delayed. There's just a lot of churn. So I think we benefited in that we are kind of a big event that people know is happening and it doesn't require people physically flying anywhere to see. It's definitely a very busy year in terms of the number of games are being pitched. We're blessed that pretty much every developer and publisher wants to have some degree of content on the show. Like, say what you will about Jeff Keeley and the Game Awards. This has become like... We go to, you know, E3 is our summer celebration of games, and then the pa PAX and PAX East are our celebration of games in the spring and fall, and then winter is has become the Game Awards. That's the place to do game stuff. While Keeley couldn't talk about the specifics about what was being shown, if for no other reason than a lot of things are still in flux, he did say that the show is going to have some really cool next-gen stuff. Uh, let's see. I still feel like we've only kind of sort of 
touched the surface of what's possible on the PS5 and Xbox Series X, which, yeah. So I think you'll see some stuff in the show that is truly pretty stunning. We'll see footage of games that will remind people that the best of this industry is still to come. Which, sure, yeah. Of course, the awards themselves remain a big part of the Game Awards. I think this year is a unique year, and because a lot of things have been delayed and pushed, so you have a lot of big games, but it's kind of anyone's game this year, which as a show producer, you sometimes yearn for those years where it's a rivalry between like a God of War and Red Dead Redemption. Uh, there's great tension this year. I'd say the awards are about half the show, and the other half is the announcement and premieres. I mean, you know, if you present it right, Jeff, because it seems like... It seems like it's more about the the announcement of games uh, and showing trailers until like the last five awards or something, you know? <laughs> Minecraft wins all awards. Everyone go home. Minecraft and Fortnite. Enjoy. Mm. No, what were the games this year? Uh, Valheim, Loop Hero. Uh, Among Us wins again. Why not? I don't know. Um... Inscription. Inscription will win something. Uh, Ratchet and Clank, I imagine, will be a big winner, right? It'll be Psych Psychonauts 2 will be there. Um, I hope Hitman 3 gets something. That was a good game. Uh, Gardens of the Galaxy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they haven't announced nominations yet, obviously. Right? I don't know if that's true. I'm going to go take a look. Game Awards 2021. Uh, let's see. Do we have nominees up? Looking, uh, looking, looking. Look Got news about Rewind. Okay, here's a nominees tab. Um, it doesn't seem like they're up yet. They have a special category, which is Moment of the Year. Uh, which I'm just going to bring this over here so we can look at it on the video for version. Uh, favorite 2020 moment, uh, Sephiroth in Super Smash Brothers, uh, Perfect Dark Reveal, the next Mass Effect, Super Mario Brothers o Orchestra, and Eddie Vedder performance. So this is just them celebrating themselves. <laughs> That's all I'm seeing here. Uh, I don't know. Um, that's gotta be I would probably vote Sephiroth cause we knew about Perfect Dark right we just didn't have a trailer and that trailer didn't show much that's right they also talked about there's a new Mass Effect yeah um, and then I don't know I think Sephiroth and Super Smash Brothers I think wins I'm not signing in for that but uh, I think that's what it is uh, let's see uh, both those premieres and the awards may also soon be including a bit more from the world of traditional entertainment as well. Keeley said this year's show will definitely see more trailers for things that aren't video games, but rather video game adjacent, like a television show or movie inspired by or recreating a video game. Oh boy. Oh boy. All right. There may even be some new categories in the awards. Probably next year, we may be able to add a best adaptation category to the game awards. Oh boy. All right, okay, all right, all right, why not? I, sure. The audience itself may be home to a greater sampling of the game industry, as many seem to be treating this year's award show as a chance to reconnect in person after blah, 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 blah. Um, 
Yeah, exactly. Chris, Chris Pratt adaptation as Mario. How, how good is on the scale of one to Charles Martinet? Uh, one of the things I'm really excited about is everyone sort of wants, yeah, blah, 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 la, 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 um, trajectory of the show will continue. Keeley continues to warn that it can't keep up the staggering pace. It seems to have hit since its inception each year, sees sizable leaps in viewership, often jumping by double digit growth. While last year's jump from 45 million to about 83 million was huge. It actually wasn't the show's largest percentage growth, which is more than 200% from 2016 to 2017. Uh, Keely points out that can't continue. Maybe if we hit a hundred million, that would be something, but yeah, I mean, we're obviously not going to be doubling every year. That's not sustainable, but honestly, we don't really think that much about the numbers. We just make the best show we can. Someone out there is thinking about the numbers. Don't lie, Jeff. Uh, there aren't many new markets for Keely and the game awards to expand to. The show has already shown just about everywhere, including China, India, Russia, Southeast Asia, and Brazil. But Keely does see one substantial potential location for growing viewership, the emerging metaverse, Aha! the metaverse for, yeah, we, you saw it coming. You knew it was happening. Uh, the game awards can already be watched inside some virtual worlds via devices like Oculus and games like Core, but the show is just starting to fully understand how best to tap into virtual world viewership. We're really interested in the metaverse uh, style of how people can watch the show. Uh, we're starting to explore the idea of finding new ways to distribute it using games and game technology. That's actually kind of our next platform, right? We're a show about video games, so of course we should be airing it inside of video games if we can. Uh, Fortnite. Yeah, right. Here we go. We're thinking about what we can do in Fortnite creative. What can we do in core? So it's early days with that stuff, but I do think in five years, more people, uh, will watch our show or participate in our show from within a kind of real time 3d environment than just watching a traditional video feed. Uh, let's end on this. There is one thing Keely and the game awards aren't currently interested in. We're not, he said, doing any NFT stuff. <laughs> Uh, all right. We'll see how long they hold on that, uh, depending on how the NFT space and all that stuff goes. But I personally think that's a good move. Uh, we'll see what it's like if they're, if they're for whatever reason hurting for money, but yeah, metaverse viewing. I think that's going, I think that's going to be huge. I think people are going to be, they're going to set up, uh, one, two or three different, uh, They'll, they'll set up a, a, a stage or like a theater room for people to sit in and then they'll have the game, the games award on the screen and then people will just sit around and, and watch uh, the game awards or other events like that. They'll do that for E3. Um, yeah. Iron Rose. The Fort, Fortnite has an area in Party Royale just for this type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, I think they'll, yeah, I think that's going to be a, continue to be a big thing. And uh, that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, that's our last news story. Uh, so unless uh, there's anything else going on with y'all, uh, I think that is going to be it for us. Let's go ahead and move over here. Ooh, I'm tired. Um, let's see what's going on this week, you guys. Uh, I'm going to be playing some... Ooh. Final Fantasy XIV, probably after a nap. God damn. Uh, let me look at game releases this week real quick. See if there's, see if there's anything uh, we should know about. 
Uh, we got Solar Ash, Chorus, Rampa, and Walkers coming out December 7th. Oh, I'm in December. Sorry. Jumping a, jumping a little far ahead here. <laughs> um, let's see. The date of this recording is November 14th. So November 16th. Uh, let's see. Wild at Heart's coming to PlayStation 4. Interesting. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, The First Soldier to iOS and Android. Tamarins coming to Xbox Series X and S and Xbox One. Blood Rain revamped. Remember that Blood Rain we were talking about? Blood Rain's getting revamped for for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Um, let's see. Battlefield 2042. Here we go. Uh, November 19th. Um Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl will be November 19th at the same time, as well as uh, Farming Simulator 22. So, yeah, Pokemon. Pokemon's coming for you Pokemon people. And Battlefield 2042, which people seem to have some thoughts on. Uh, That's what's coming this week. That will be Friday uh, for those... Blood Rain's coming on November 18th. And then, yeah, I don't know, not not a whole lot else happening in November after that, at least in terms of big scheduled releases. Um, Iron Rose, I love Battlefield 2042 so far. They have a selection where you can play the old Battlefields as well. That's nice. That's cool. Good for them. Uh... As far as December is going, like, yeah, so we, we, we just talked about the big releases in November as far as this Game Informer, Game Informer article is concerned. December, you got Solar Ash coming. You got Endwalker, Final Fantasy XIV. Halo Infinite's coming. Uh, Monster Rancher 1 and 2 DX coming to Switch, PC, and iOS. Uh, Among Us is coming to the newer consoles, or all PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, Security Breach, PlayStation 5, 4, and PC. And then The Gunk. The Gunk is coming to Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC in December. Um, Probably some other games uh, that I'm missing out on here. But uh, this is what we got. Steam Deck got delayed. But, you know. I'm not really thinking about that too much. This says Advanced Wars 1 and 2 reboot camps come in December 3rd. All right. All right. Yeah, I think that's going to to do it for us. Uh, Bronson will hopefully be back next week for next week's Super Gamecast 2. Uh, We may play a game here and there, uh, depending on what happens. And uh, yeah, if you guys got nothing else for me here, I think that's the end of our show. Thank you all for sticking around and uh, have a fantastic rest of your Sunday. Have a fantastic rest of your week and uh, we'll see you next week.